Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. Yes! High five! High five! (laughs) That was good across the table. Yeah. Hey, Caleb, how's it going today? It goes. Sure does. <laughs> does that uh, mean it's good or bad? It's going well. I just got out of a, an appointment, a quick one, but this client just cracks me up. So I'm, I've am i been laughing a lot and I hope to continue laughing. You've got the post-meeting high. Yeah. yeah That's was great. Fun. Let's keep it up. We'll <laughs> cool. keep rolling. That's great, man. I'm happy. You know, when people like, like say it's going, I never know if it's good or bad or they're like, don't I don't want to talk about it with you. Yeah. No, that's true. I didn't say uh, what I wanted to say when... I always want to pull uh, out one that my grandpa uses on everybody. How's it going? Upright and taking nourishment. You ever heard that? Yeah. I'm uh, I'm able to sit and take some nourishment. Or <laughs> or my favorite one. I'm ambulatory. Ambulatory, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you hear oftentimes, oh, I'm on the right side of the dirt, right? Which side is that? I don't know. <laughs> I hear people that say that a lot and I'm like, I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe you'd be happier on the other side. I know maybe other people would be happier if you were on the other side. If I were on the other side. <laughs> Not you, the hypothetical guy we oh, were talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Present company excluded. Include excluded. Oh, this is stupid. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Caleb, today is a podcast episode and it's about cocktails and finance. Oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, let's just move on right into the drink that we're drinking. Yeah. So we did a very fallish episode last week. And we're sticking with it. Let's uh, ride that train. You know what? Unlike every other fall that I can remember, we've had more than two weeks of fall weather. It's been pretty nice for a little while. We got to soak it up. Make it last. We are enjoying the heck out of fall. I'm going to enjoy it until it's actually over. Um, So we have another fall drink on tap, the Apple Cider Manhattan, because as you know, every fourth episode is a Manhattan Project. Manhattan Project! Yeah, we need we need cool like we need a sound sound effect or like an intro for the Manhattan Project like like it could be a bomb sound like the atomic bomb 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 bomb. (laughs) I think we got it. Uh, That's it. So in these episodes, we usually take a variation of Manhattans, which are. I don't know, kind of my favorite drink. And this one was really appropriate with the fall weather. The apple cider Manhattan is really just, this thing is speaking to me right now. It's yeah. perfect. It just take a Manhattan, which is a great cocktail that we love, and just add fall directly yeah, into it. Yeah, put fall right in a glass. <laughs> Other Jason might have said that about the maple old-fashioned last week. It's like fall in a glass. It's true, it is. <laughs> and and this, so is this. This is also that. And I'm hoping that fall sticks around long enough for another fall Manhattan recipe that I've got uh, brewing. I don't know, man. That's four weeks out. It could be. We might need to scooch that up. Yeah. Get that out before Thanksgiving. This is Ohio. It could be rotten by then. It could be 80 degrees. It could be. I don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. We might be drinking rum drinks again. I don't know. Here, here. 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 Hey, so let's talk about what's in this one. It's so great. Please do. How do you make one at home? You put a Manhattan with an apple cider and boom. 
Well, kind of. You said fall. Put fall in a Manhattan. Yeah, and two ingredients. Go. So here is the recipe for fall in a glass. Okay. Two ounces of bourbon. We use dry. Uh, <laughs> it's like, dude, disregard that. Disregard that. Rise for Manhattans. I think, and okay, so commentary. Bourbon is usually sweeter in a Manhattan. Yeah. And that might be too much sweet because here are the other ingredients. Oh, just buckle up, y'all. So let's say two ounces of whiskey of your choice. Okay. A half an ounce of sweet vermouth. That's sweet. One and a half ounces of apple cider. Sweet. Sweet. A half ounce of maple syrup. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Two dashes of orange bitters. Sweeter than other bitters. Yeah. Less bitter than bitters. Yeah. (laughs) And a Luxardo cherry, which is sweet. Sweet. To garnish. (laughs) In a cocktail shaker filled with ice, add the bourbon or rye or whatever whiskey of choice. Sweet vermouth, apple cider. Maple syrup, two dashes of orange bitters. This says shake vigorously. We stirred. And then strain into a coupe glass and garnish with a Luxardo maraschino cherry. There you go. Fall in a glass. That's great. You know, the shaking seems, with apple cider, I think it'd get really cloudy shaking it up. Yeah, it's already very cloudy. (laughs) You know, we're 30-something episodes in. I feel like we're cocktail experts now. Definitely. My expert opinion is that this should be stirred. Yeah, I mean, if you got the mixing glass, it even says mixing glass. How do you shake vigorously? I think you said shake shaker, cocktail shaker. It Build says in the mixing shaker. glass right in there. In a cocktail. Nah, you're right. In a cocktail shaker. It's okay. We used a mixing glass. Yeah, we stirred it in a mixing glass. You could also stir it in a cocktail shaker or shake it in a cocktail shaker. But whatever you do, do mix not it. shake it in <laughs> a mixing do, glass. Mix it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Get it all stirred together somehow. I tell you what, Caleb. I've said this before. You'll say it again. And people that know me know that I have a bit of a sweet tooth. (laughs) And uh, this is sweet. Yeah. And it satisfies the sweet tooth urges. Actually, no, it makes me want more sweet stuff, actually. Uh, But it's very sweet is my point. It's good. If you like a sweet cocktail, you are maybe a little shy of whiskey. Maybe Mm -hmm. it burns a little. I think this cuts. It burns us. (laughs) Yes, this, this cuts right through that. Or, or blunts it? Would that be a better way to say it? It's not as overwhelmingly scorchy. Yeah, so we... Okay, we've tried a couple of these over the last few days, and we've used some different whiskeys. There was one where the apple cider just really covered everything up, and I don't think that that's a great drink. Um, this, the way it's all playing together is really nice because you get the apple cider for sure, mm-hmm. but it doesn't cover up the rye. I think this would be a good introduction if you've had cocktails before and you thought that they were just a little too burny, like you said. Yeah. Um, especially, th- this, would not, uh, this wouldn't this would fly in the uh, David Embry book, that's for sure. Oh, no. It's not nearly boozy enough to fit into yeah. that, that category. But I, I think if you like Manhattans, you like bourbon and rye, uh-huh. and you like fall, and you like apple cider, this is a fun drink. Well, but I would say that if you don't necessarily like Manhattans or who who doesn't like Manhattans, <laughs> but you like fall, you might want to try this anyway. And this might just be the gateway drug that you ah, need. I see. There's a lot of different like apple cider, hard cider, yeah, spiked apple cider things that come out in the fall. Things that we pulled out of the cauldron. Well, Jason, what was the first beer you ever drank? Uh, I believe it was a woodchuck hard cider. Yeah. That's not a beer. Well, okay. The, the My 21st birthday. But you were drink. pretending you were drinking a beer. Right. And it was awful. I had a horrible time. I, it took me like an hour to finish. Yeah. Well. Uh, but since I love woodchuck. I love woodchuck, strong Many hard ciders. I think strong. Yeah. I, I, Angry Orchard is new since then and I've liked yeah, that. Yeah, Reds. 
apple yeah. ale, right? Well, that's not really a hard cider, though, is it? I have no I idea. It's I don't made really drink apples. those. But Me I neither. think when I started drinking beer, I, I I think hard ciders were kind of the, the gateway in. So this could be, look, if you don't want to spend money on bourbon and rye and things like that, maybe you shouldn't try this. But why are you listening to the, this podcast 30-some be- episodes in? Because we're so charming and fun. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. This is really good. We've had a few of them, and I'm not sick of it yet. I don't know. I, I think that I could use a slice of apple pie and some vanilla ice cream to go with it. But That would be fantastic. Instead, we're going to talk finance, right? We're Jason? healthy now. And speaking of being healthy... Yeah, as of today. Starting today, now. Starting now. <laughs> after this cocktail, actually. <laughs> yeah, that, that brings us to the, to the finance topic. It does. What are we talking about today, Jason? Today, Caleb, <laughs> we are talking about compounding. Oh, compound fractures? No, 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 no. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered seeing a compound fracture. Uh, y- you mean compound fractions? Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. C- compounding chemicals? Chemi- <laughs> ah, yeah, easy, Walter White. Hey, you're setting. Are you? You're making a hole in our podcast table, man. Stop it! You need to know what you're doing. No, 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 compounding. You know, the stuff that you cover joints and drywall with, right? No, you idiot. <laughs> That's joint compound. I'm talking about compound like um, a sentence that has more than one subject or predicate. You're just <laughs> trying to be difficult. Yes, I am. There are two main types of compound leaves, mm. pinnate and palmate. Mm. Pinnate compound leaves have leaflets that occur in succession along a rachis, as seen in Acacia spp. Palmate compound leaves have leaflets born at the tip of the rachis and can be further categorized as being either peltate or non-peltate Jason, compound leaves. I can't. I can't. Okay. No more. Okay, seriously. <laughs> okay. Everyone, compound interest. Ah, uh, you mean making money on the money that you made on your money, right? <laughs> yes. And then making money on that. Yes. <laughs> Compounding. Yeah, it's, you know, there's a, uh, a quote erroneously attributed to Albert Einstein and all, all sorts of other thinkers that compound interest is the strongest force in the universe. Really? Yeah. I, the ninth that. wonder of the world. I've heard that. I didn't know that that was attributed to Albert Einstein. It's. I think since people don't know who to attribute it to, they're like, whoever. It's like yeah. the Abraham Lincoln attributions. <laughs> attribu- attributions. Attribu- attributions? <laughs> Why does anybody listen to this podcast? <laughs> know, they should. <laughs> Tell your friends. Please. And by the way, if you're listening to this show, <laughs> you should re- give it a review. And five-star reviews are better than one-star reviews. Yeah. So go ahead and smash that star and then write something up. like Smash the fifth one, though, if you, well, if you be, would. I mean, if you really don't want to smash that, please write a reason and we will read it on this show. I do want to know how you feel one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Those really help, apparently. And we would love your reviews. <laughs> so... The difference between simple and compound interest, Jason, um, for those of you out there in radio land, (laughs) podcast land, you may be listening to this podcast with a simple mind about how interest works, but uh, hopefully by the time this podcast is finished, you should have a compound mind about how interest works. (laughs) Right, Jason? I think that's a a really bad way of saying it. No, it it was fun. I hope hope people remember that. There is an important difference to discuss first before we go in depth about compound interest. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure most of our listener, listeners have heard something about compound interest. Yeah, there's always that guy at the party that's like, no, compound interest, man. Yeah, nobody wants to talk to him. <laughs> that's us right now. Because <laughs> he's a finance nerd. Please stay tuned, folks. I think this will be entertaining. But compound interest, we're going to explain it in opposition to simple interest. Hence, mm-hmm. Caleb's very clever uh, comparison of simple mind and compound mind. So we'll, we'll start first with simple interest. Have it, you ever heard someone... I'm sorry. You've heard of someone being called simple-minded. Have you ever yeah, heard well, of that's an insult. being compound-minded? Uh, well, I, I would assume that it is... I've heard of double-minded. You're, you're so compound-minded. But compound-minded is like galaxy I mean, brain level. The best way. Right? Yeah, simple-minded, <laughs> double-minded, compound-minded. Yes. That's like the third evolution. All right, Jason. Explain to me how this works. I will do my best. The interest part, by the way. Yeah, yeah, not the brain <laughs> stuff. Uh, so simple interest is is... It's called simple interest because it's it's fairly simple. Let's sure. say you are going to get 10% simple interest and you have $10,000. So if I get 10% interest on my $10,000, that's $1,000. Thank you. That's right. I didn't have my calculator. <laughs> that's $1,000. So for that year, you get $1,000. Okay. So what about year two, Jason? Well, remember, we're getting simple interest on the initial amount that we had of $10,000. Our principal, if you will. Thank you. Yes. Let's define our terms. That initial deposit was the principal. And we're still getting 10% simple interest on $10,000. So we have to add another $1,000. That's right. (laughs) Another $1,000 to our $11,000. And according to my calculator, that's $12,000. That's right. I'm your calculator. (laughs) Yeah, you really are. Uh, but and so on and so forth until you keep adding that up. But you see that you're getting 10% on the principal every year. Mm-hmm. Cool. So simple interest is pretty simple, actually. Well, is it that is. Why they call it simple interest? I Jason? think so. I mean, it doesn't have a lot of extraordinary mathematical jumps. Right. So on to global interest, I mean, compound interest. How does compound interest work differently, Jason? Uh, well, like you said at the beginning, you. Have start, money. Start with your principal, $10,000 yeah. still in this example. Yeah. Right? And then you earn interest on that money. All right. So let's let's do the calculation again. 10%. 10% on $10,000. Yep. So that first year, now you're up to $11,000. Okay. But we said, or you said, you're going to make money on the money, on the money that, that you, you made. made. So we just made $1,000. To compound this, we're going to get 10% on $11,000 now. Okay. So that would be $1,100. That's right. That's $1,100. Yes, for our metric friends. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So when you add that together, now you have $12,100. In year two here, or the end of the second year, we are now $100 ahead of the simple interest calculation. Sounds like not a big deal, but as as we get further down, this is where it really starts to take off, right? Yeah, man. So what do the numbers look like? Say five years down the road, simple versus compound. A 10% simple interest on $10,000. I've got $15,000 after five years and $16,105 after five years compounding. So that's like an extra year and then some. Yeah. Yeah. What about 10 years out? 10 years, we've got $20,000 on the simple interest side versus $25,937 on the compounding side. Okay, so now we're starting to see a really big difference here. 20 years. Starting to separate. We got $30,000 on simple interest calculation after 20 years, $67,275 via compounding. So this is where it's getting crazy, right? We're talking about double at this point. Yeah, we just doubled our money. What about 30 years out? 
Well, that's not twice as long as 20 years. I want no. everybody to notice that. Right, right, right. But we have $40,000 on the simple interest side after 30 years and $174,494 on the compound side. So which do you like better, simple or compound? Well, the one that makes me more money. Yeah. It's compound interest. So it depends on what side you're on, right? <laughs> are you paying or are you receiving? Yeah. If you're if you're receiving compound interest, it's awesome. If you're paying it, it's not awesome. Not awesome. It's, it's way worse. Okay. So I'm just thinking of a couple of scenarios. We'll do scenarios in a little bit. But I, I am thinking of a scenario where this practically works, right? So we work in the retirement business, Okay. You know, you went out to 30 years on this simple versus compound comparison. That's starting with the same principal amount and not adding anything, by the way. Okay. But what yeah. about someone who's adding? I, I think of like a Roth IRA, for example. Yeah. Uh, so at this point in time, if you're under 50 years old, you're starting out, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. You can put up to $6,000 into a Roth IRA every year. I'm just using an average market return number in my, my head of, of like 8%. Okay. Let, let's just say the average is 8%. We put $6,000 a year in, we get 8%. We add another 6000 then we get 8% on our principal and the interest that we've accumulated or yep. the gains, right? $6,000 a year for 30 years compounded at 8%. Can you take a wild guess at what that ends up being after 30 years, which would be, you know, kind of a typical career, working career, 30 years? Only because I heard you say it earlier, I would know. <laughs> But I mean, a way that you would try well, to figure this out. Well, if you know it, then if, let's let's hear it. Well, it's like eight hundred something. It's seven hundred ninety-nine thousand dollars. Yeah, holy smoke! That's awesome. But you know, you try to do that math in your head right away. You're and, and immediately I go to like, well, we got six thousand dollars a year uh-huh. over thirty years. How much money did I put in? One hundred eighty thousand dollars. So it's going to be more than one hundred eighty thousand dollars, and it's eight percent interest. So I don't know, ten percent interest is eighteen thousand times thirty. That's only another. It's not as much as eight hundred thousand, right? It doesn't sound like much, but and by the way, this isn't the Roth IRA versus traditional IRA episode, but we're we're looking at the the power of maximizing something like a Roth IRA and assuming that those limits don't go up. That's tax free money in retirement. So this is where compound interest is super insanely practical. Yeah, for almost everybody out there listening. Yeah, absolutely. It's growth on growth, and it's. Really cool. It's an awesome function. It's the basis for why we invest, why folks invest. It's how people's net worth gets so huge. Think about Warren Buffett. He's super famous. Yeah. And he's about a million years old now. <laughs> is he Is he 90? He's uh, up there. He's got to be close to 90 so if not. The man has been a disciplined and amazing investor for almost his entire life now. But he didn't become a super billionaire until the latter half of his career. And part of that is just because of compounding. He bought stuff and he held it. Mm-hmm. He, he's not famous for making any really like blockbuster trade yeah. that made him rich. Not like some billionaires. He just had a disciplined investment approach that reaped the benefits of compounding over all these years. So now he's in his 80s and he's worth billions of dollars. He didn't start with billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, like just only hundreds of thousands. And it's just... A massive amount. When you add time to compounding, it really explodes. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's a great example. I think a lot of people hang on every word when he when he talks about economics and what the markets are doing, and he never says anything that's mind blowing or earth shattering. It's usually really boring, simple, and just 
discipline type stuff. Yeah, his superpower is his discipline. Yeah, and he doesn't claim to be a great stock picker necessarily. And I think it's fair to say we, I mean, we've watched him our whole career. Yeah. He's made some pretty bad sure. bets on stocks too. But the fact is, more often than not, his approach is buy and hold and let compounding do its thing. Yeah. And there's a reason he is where he is. Absolutely. And it's mostly just using compounding. Yeah. Which is awesome. So, Jason, that all sounds like magic. You know, I plug the numbers into my spreadsheet. And <laughs> when you do that, you use Microsoft Excel. It, it really is magic. It's a wonderful tool. <laughs> Everyone should learn how to use it. But you, you also should be able to tell when the numbers look right or, or not. How is compound interest calculated, Jason? You, you're the math nerd, right? I love math. I have never claimed to be great at it. Let's get that clear. And that's why he's a financial advisor, <laughs> folks. I think it's awesome. I'm astounded by it. I love reading about it. And uh, doing it is you know, a chore sometimes. But anyway, we're going to wrap <laughs> some math around how compound interest is calculated because it's not magic. It's, so it's not mathematics? It's, well, I'm a mathematician. <laughs> that's a Simpsons joke. We got a magician. Well, I'm a mathematician. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You're going to sound like a math magician in your next appointment with a client. Well, maybe. So it's Some of these numbers are quite... I mean, I'm just making the point. Some of these numbers sound unbelievable. Well, and it, we've seen it happen. Like, we haven't been in business for 30 years in, in our practice, but we're already seeing it happen with some, some larger returns year over year. When yeah. those start compounding, it just explodes pretty quickly. So yeah. just over eight years... Uh, we've seen some people's portfolios grow significantly. So let's let's talk about how that actually happens. And and y'all, I'm gonna talk math. We're <laughs> gonna try to make it pretty practical, but I need you need to know that this is based in math. So there is a formula for compound interest. And if you don't like math, this would be a good time to go mix another yeah. apple cider man. Just uh, just maybe if I sing it, oh okay, people will like that. Oh, we're okay. gonna do that. <laughs> <clears throat> a equals p <laughs> times parentheses, one plus R over N, parentheses, to the power of NT. All right, that's NT, where's, oh, is T time? Yes. Oh, you're going to explain that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we've got definitions for all this. So basically, the P in this (laughs) equation, so we got A equals P times one plus R over N to the power of NT. Can you break that down? I'm going to try. Okay. We're going to try to break it down a little bit. And remember... This is where we lose our audience. Well, yeah, let's reframe this, though, (laughs) back with what you said, because what you said was hilarious, but very true. Yeah. It's like you take money and you make money on that money, and then you make money on that money that you made on the money plus that money. And then then you you make more money on all that money. And it's just compounding because there's more money to make more money on and you just keep going. So um, that's what this is. This is just the math formula for it. and We'll go pretty fast. So A, the first thing, that's that's the, the total. So that's what you get. That's your total compounded finalized output p in this equation is the principal and we describe that as the money that you initially start with that you put in uh this this formula does change though if you continually make contributions and that actually really beefs up your compounding and we'll probably talk about that a little bit more as in the example that you gave about making roth contributions for example r in this equation is the interest rate expressed as a decimal so r for rate N is how often the money is compounded. Your money can be compounded daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. That's that's usually it, right? Usually. Um, so it's the frequency of the compounding does does make a little bit of a difference over a longer time. And speaking of time, T is the time period in years. Do you want to break down what those variables all mean a little bit? I, I kind of explained principle and A being the output, the total is kind of obvious too. <laughs> Well, okay. 
you you said principal refers to the starting balance on which the interest is being calculated. And like you said, this number can change when you're making additions, but let's say we don't. Yeah. The term is more commonly used in the context of we're, we're looking at like loan balances and things like that, but it can be applied to individual investments as well. Yeah. So, for example, let's say kind of like the uh, example we used before, simple versus compound, you decide to invest $10,000 for five years. So the amount that would be your principal is, is $10,000, uh, and that's used uh, for the purposes of calculating the compound interest. Yeah, right. It's funny that principal, we're probably more familiar with that as principal on your mortgage. That's probably yeah, the that's, biggest that's principal balance think. that people have. Right. And like you said earlier, sometimes compound interest works against you. I think we'll talk about that some more too, but your mortgage, yeah. your mortgage well, is you, away. You know, you said principal, and I think about that from a tax standpoint too, later on in retirement or, or whenever you're taking money out of non-qualified accounts. Yeah. And, so rate, the R, rate refers to the interest rate or the expected rate of return. So in the example that I gave with the Roth and the 8% a year, Look, we know that the markets don't go up while they might average 8% a year. Uh, they don't just go up every year 8%. Guess what? Everybody would put all their money there if that were the case. Yeah, you could guarantee it. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, so the expected return uh, or rate of return in investing um, expressed as a decimal percent. So 0.08 in that, uh, that example, right? Yeah. So um, compounding frequency... Um, you know, like you said before, it can be daily, quarterly, semi-annually, annually, monthly, whatever. As far as the market goes, I guess when we're looking at those numbers, we're kind of looking at the year, the number for the year. Yeah, usually. But sometimes these things, since it's actual money going up and down, it's compounded. For, yeah. the, for the sake of this equation, if you're ever doing it, like you have maybe a financial class that you have to take. That's the only time I can think of a <laughs> normal person doing this. Let's say 8% is the annual return. But if you're compounding twice a year or semi semi-annually... In this equation, you'd put in 4% because that's 4% twice a year and so on. If you get down to quarterly, divide it by 4, you got 2% and so on. Yeah. And then time, that's that's a pretty self-explanatory concept. Like you said, in in years, right? So we use the example of 30 years a couple of times. Um, So be sure that you express the total time period in years. In other words, if you're investing for 30 months, you know, be sure that you put in 2.5 in the formula. That's two and a half years. So I can't imagine anybody using this formula, actually, when you have an Excel spreadsheet. But I don't don't know, Jason, maybe you would. There are alternatives. I actually don't use this formula normally. I do have my T, what's my BA2, my Texas Instruments BA2 calculator that I do for future value. Sometimes I'll do that quick. But a really fancy tool. When you don't have a spreadsheet on hand. (laughs) Well, I don't like to use a spreadsheet really easy. I I like to use the calculator of the spreadsheet. It's faster and it's in my pocket. But uh, I'll just go to... Just Google compound interest calculator and you can get one. I think investor.gov has one. The government put one out. And you can, now that you know all this, we've armed you with this information. Go ahead and see how much money you're going to have if you save X dollars a year starting at zero if you have no money right now or starting at $50,000 and project your interest rate. And see the biggest difference comes when you're like 10 years from now versus 30 years from now without changing any other variables. Uh That time really Really yeah, works time is the the big one in this equation, right? It's funny you were talking about the calculator. One time, a wholesaler brought a uh, just a real simple calculator, just a Casio basic calculator, to a meeting and showed everybody how to do this calculation. There are tricks on those old calculators. Yeah, I forgot how to do it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you I mean you can figure those numbers. It's basically that formula in a simplified version. You know what though? You asked for the compound version because. The numbers worked out way better than simple. So there you have it, folks. You wanted the compound. That's how it works. Yeah. You need to know. 
So we know how it works, Jason. How does it work for you? Well, your example of the Roth IRA is perfect. It happens with anything else that gains interest. So even a CD or something, yeah. that, that'll compound just not very Over time. much. Well, it's just the rate is small. Therefore, the compounding is less good. Right. Uh, so <laughs> you, you need change, a lot of time. When you change that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you had 6,000 years, and you actually know what? A great example of that is the Harvard Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, which oh, is yeah. a hu- or the endowment, yep. right? It's gigantic. Didn't Ben Franklin start that? We'd yes. have to Google that quick. Yes. But he started that. And that you know that's about 200 and something years ago. And it's gigantic now. Started out with not much, and it just it just compounded over time with a lot of you know bonds and banknotes and that sort of thing, and then stocks and other investments. So compound interest works for you when you are investing the money. You've got a principal, and maybe mm-hmm. you make contributions to the principal periodically, or you just make a lump sum contribution of principal, and you have an interest rate applied to it, and you can grow interest on the interest as well as the principal year over year over year over year. Yeah. That's how it works for you. We see it. That's why people do IRAs. That's why they do 401ks. That's why they do investment accounts, standard investment accounts too. Well, let's talk about the tax deferral effect there too, because not only yeah. do we have the compounding, but we also don't have the tax man taking a chunk out of that every year, right? Right. If you were realizing those gains, you could have to pay capital gains taxes mm-hmm. and that's less money in your account. And we know that that More reduces compounding. The, that, yeah, yeah, that reduces the P. So your compounding is not as good. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how it works out in your favor. It can work out against you, though, can it? Yeah. yeah let's it really let's can. talk about that. Well, uh, I have a mortgage. I have a mortgage. <sighs> Stupid mortgage. Not for much longer. <laughs> we're going to be done with those. Yeah, we're going to be out of ours here pretty soon, too. But I know that I've paid a lot into that mm-hmm. <laughs> over the years. I got a good rate, Jason. I think it's uh, hovering around 3% right now. That's historically good, right? Yeah, that's very good historically. So let's talk about, uh, you know, the simple mind (laughs) looking at interest from a simple standpoint. You know, let's say you've got a $200,000 mortgage with a 3% interest rate. You think, oh, yeah, sure. $6,000 for the convenience of buying a house. No problem. I'll pay $206,000 to get my $200,000 house, right? That'd be great. If they calculated (laughs) it with simple interest, it'd be a joy to borrow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do the math because I just thought of this example, but the payback over, let's say, a 30-year, even at 3%. Well, you know what, Jason? Let's let's pause real quick and do the math. Okay, let's see here. So oh, 7 goes into X three times. And carry the what happens when you raise to a negative power? Is that like a fraction? Uh, okay. Here it is. So your $200,000 mortgage at 3% great rate, historically speaking, uh, is going to cost you $303,555 over that 30 years. That doesn't sound like a good deal, Jason. No, that's $100,000 more than I bought the house for. Yeah. that's That sounds more like paying 50% interest, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Simple. So difference in simple and compound, folks. There's where it can work against you. I'm not even going to go into credit cards and how they work. Well, it's pretty much the same except with way higher rates. Way higher <laughs> rates, yeah. Which is bad for you and really good for them. So I think if we could take anything away from this, it would be really that we want to... Uh, well, you know what? Before we go into that, Jason, one thing we didn't talk about is the importance of getting started early. Oh, well, we did say that time was really, really important. Yeah. The difference between a 15-year 
section of compounding versus a 30-year time horizon of compounding is, is vastly bigger numbers. Yeah, isn't there a study on this or, or an example we can use? Ben and Jerry or something. Dave Ramsey has a very popular Ben and Arthur. <laughs> I like Ben and Jerry. Well, Let's that's do Ben and Jerry ice creamy. Um, both of them are probably trademarked. I don't, oh, okay. I don't know. But really, basically, it's, it's one person saves for 10 years, $2,000 a year starting at age 20 to age 30 or something. And then the other person doesn't start saving until age 30. Mm -hmm. And they save way more years. They save for like 30 years from age 30 to age 60. And the other person doesn't save a single other dime, Mm -hmm. let's say. And the person that started 10 years later never catches up because of the head start and compounding. Yeah, I think, and I've seen, maybe this is a different example I'm thinking, but I, I saw where the person who... Started later, and we see this all the time, mind you. Oh, yeah. Well, it's practical. It's yeah. really hard to start early. Someone starts later, so they're even they're even adding more to that P number, right? Oh, they're, yeah. They're actually saving more, and they still don't catch up mm-hmm. with someone who stops making contributions. So, yeah, the, the going back to what we said before, the T is super important. Getting started early, allowing that T to, to be as big <laughs> of a number as possible. Real big T. Yeah, big T. Works out in your favor. Keep your money working for you, even when you're not doing anything to earn. Yeah, it's kind of a catch-22, though. Like we all know, when you're younger, it's the hardest time to save a bunch of money, even though it's the best time. Well, and this is where I have an axe to grind with Mr. Dave Ramsey sometimes. Oh man. You know that... How's your radio show? I know. Not as good as his. But uh, the idea of uh, halt, you know, kind of stopping the uh, retirement savings while you're paying off debt. Well, depending on how long it takes you to pay off debt, I, I know it's supposed to hurt. We've talked about this on the podcast yeah. before. But you're you're really you're limiting the T. <laughs> yeah, you're you're taking that part out of the equation, and well, and you know. This is not the right episode for that, but uh, also you're taking out probably an employer match, which is free money, which is also working for you. Uh, well, and you are limiting your, and probably financially, it's it's. There's probably been studies on it. There's so many variables; it's hard to 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 really weigh out. But the fact is that the earlier you start saving, so that you can take advantage of compounding, the better. So, like parents, think about saving for your kids. That's a great uh, idea. A small amount of money for them has a lot longer time to grow. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about not necessarily being pro college savings vehicles and that sort of thing, but it's oh, really just a function of time extending yeah. that T. I love my kids and I would love to provide for them. Well, Ex- going back to what you've said in the past, and I don't know if you said this on the podcast, but it's also important to make sure in providing for them that you're not a uh, th- that you're not a liability. Yeah, don't uh, impoverish to yourself to save for your right. kids. Because <laughs> eventually they might be taking care of you. So. But you got to start now too. Like people are like, oh, I wish I would have I wish I would have known this when I was 20. Yeah. It would have been great. I mean, I'd have an extra 20 years of compounding. Well, you didn't. Tough. Start now. <laughs> like the best time is now. Then. If, if anybody is out there on the fence as far as when to start, and again, I don't care where you're at in the baby steps, if you're doing that, I'm going to say start now with something. Yeah. You know, time needs to be on your side. It's on your side until it's not. <laughs> yeah. Save. Yeah. Take advantage of compounding. Jason, we uh, we talked about a lot today in a short amount of time. Uh, do you want to go ahead and distill it down for our listeners? Yeah. Uh, I think the number one call to action that we have here is don't think simple when it comes to interest. Yeah. Don't be simple-minded. Be compound-minded. Yeah. I hope that catches on. <laughs> I-, I want our listeners out there to be compound-minded money muddlers. I like that. 
That's good stuff, man. What's another call to action you got, Caleb? So I think the second point is, you know, compounding is great working for you, but don't forget it can work against you. Which is really the whole reason for getting rid of debt. Right. So you got to you gotta pull both of these levers. Turn up the compound interest working for you, knob. Turn down the compound interest working against you, knob. You just reminded me of our days on the band when we would tell our sound guy, turn up the rocks and turn down the sucks. Yeah, I can still hear a lot of sucks coming from the, <laughs> through my monitor. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, man. <laughs> I can't change that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, then there's one more, and we've harped on this a lot, Jason, but what would the, uh, what would the last one be? Time. Time. Time is on your side. We'll make it on your side. Unless yeah. it's debt, then it's Until not it's on your not. side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are the big ones, folks. Uh, so compounding, something that we've all heard a lot about. We understand it's, you know, it's important. Yeah. You've probably heard that guy raving about it at the cocktail party and gone the other way. If it's us, you should approach us and leave us a five-star review. <laughs> yeah, please do that. That would be great. So, hey, this was fun, Jason. I had um, a blast, man. Anything to add before we call it a show? No. If you if you have questions, you want to keep talking about compounding, uh, maybe you were too scared to ask because everybody just assumes that, like, yeah, compounding is great. Yeah, compounding is amazing. If you want to talk more about it, hit us up on the Speakeasy. Send yeah. us an email at uh, speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. I'd love to talk about it more because it really is quite powerful and awesome. Yeah. And the more you know... The, m- the more you'll know and then that way you'll have it yeah and i just want to spread the word caleb that compound interest is awesome and if we tell two friends then they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and, and they'll, they'll tell, tell two friends, friends. <laughs> yeah the result will be compounding <laughs> all right thanks for having a drink with us this week folks it's time to close out the tab if you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We would love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with all of the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers! Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or persuadent to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. <laughs>